0: Yes Thank you, guys. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Welcome, welcome back, welcome back. Mm. Feels good to be here with y'all, man. Feeling real good about this episode. Welcome, everybody. Thoughts of an Empath Podcast, Episode 3. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here. Yes, we made it, we made it. I am your host, Stevenson St. Ville. It is a blessing and an honor to be here with you guys today. First and foremost, gotta give some love to God. Yes, absolutely have to, have to, have to, have to. Thank you for making this all possible. Oh, yes. Next, I want to show some love to everybody that's taking the time out to watch. Everybody taking the time out to listen. Everybody who's supported, who's reached out, who's interacted with the podcast in itself. And it's really been a beautiful experience, guys. It really has been. Um, You guys are the backbone of this whole operation. So thank you for making this really enjoyable for me. Thank you for motivating me to want to continue doing this. And and I'm excited to continue doing this. So thank you again. (laughs) Next, gotta show some love to the album of the episode, the Lion King official soundtrack, if you didn't know already. Uh, beautiful body of music, beautiful body of music, the, the, the soundtrack was just as good as the film, and it just made the experience, like, 10 times better, so I really appreciated the music, and, and it's, like, they really did their job on this one, they went to work on this one, (laughs) so I, I love it, I love it, I love it, episode three, the Lion King concept, Now, quick fun fact about Steve, The Lion King happens to be my all-time favorite movie ever, period. (laughs) So you can only imagine how excited I am to do this episode. And to take it even further, the remake comes out this year. Like, when I saw that trailer, I was like, oh, nah, it's lit, it's finna be crazy. I just hope that they stick to the original story they stick to the original soundtrack as much as possible. It will be a, a magical experience. I can already see it. It's going to be a magical experience. I'm, I am really want to see how they really play out some of the scenes, though. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking forward to that. So, I believe it comes out in July. If you want to take me, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> So, the reason I wanted to make an episode about The Lion King and what, the, what is The Lion King concept. So, of course, because it's my favorite movie, I know the story very well. I've seen the movie an obscene amount of times. And what I started to realize as I watched the movie like with a more developed mind and with a more you know, adult outlook and the mind of an empath... Is that there's a lot of key life lessons and a lot of knowledge in the movie. There's a lot uh, that each and every one of us can benefit from. You know what I'm saying? And, like, I have really started to make, like, a personal connection with the journey of Simba. Like, I would find relations between the movie and his journey. And it's like, it really hit me deep. And so it goes so much f- deeper than you know it just being my favorite movie you know what i'm saying so i feel like everyone can empathize with the story I feel like if we're able to put ourselves in Simba's shoes, and this is a challenge to all my viewers, the a challenge to all the listeners to really start to train your empathetic mind and, and put yourself in Simba's shoes as the story unfolds and as the details start to come about, because that's one of the gifts of an empath. Uh, we are able to really put ourselves in the shoes of others and really feel what they're feeling and understand and, and process their emotions. But the enlightened empath is able to not only do that, but still maintain that level of accountability, still maintain that level of understanding and then being able to extract all the lessons that we need to from the story and from from all the details you know what I'm saying. So definitely guys keep you know keep that open mind and really put yourself in Simbas shoes as we go through the episode and you'll start to see that you know okay this I see what Steve is saying. I can understand what's where Steve is coming from. So the general premise of the episode, as a whole, is just basically me telling the story of the Lion King, and then just pointing out these key observations to you guys. So, if you haven't seen the movie, this is going to be loaded with spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie, shame on you. That's a big one, and I'm going to just leave that there. But, <laughs> but yeah, there's going to be tons of spoilers, and by the end of the episode, you'll get a grasp of... You know what happens in the movie and everything that takes place um before we get into the good stuff we do have to acknowledge that it is a movie and it's only about a buck 30 like it's only an hour and 30 minutes long so if we're going to be relating it to real life there is a time ratio that we have to be mindful of where you know a 30 second scene can represent one two three four five years of life it all depends on who you are and what you're related to. So definitely keep an open imagination and be able to, you know, and I'll make a quick, like a little comment, you know, whenever, you know, something comes up and we need to be mindful of that time ratio. So you, I'll make it known. And we gonna get right into the good stuff, baby. <laughs> so what I decided to do with this episode is break it into about like three parts. And the reason I did this primarily is to be conscious of the time. Uh, What I've been trying to do is get all the content from each part and kind of fit it into a certain time span. And that's really why it's taken me this long to kind of work uh, and put the episode out because I've just been trying to fit it all in. And what I found is that this is, that's very, very difficult to do unless i'm giving you rapid fire facts and if i do that then it's like it's too much too quick and it's like you're probably not even listening and stuff like that so i'm like you know what let me just break it down take my time and really talk to the people so that you know everybody will be able to understand where i'm coming from so part one will cover the beginning scene circle of life all the way up until the exile of Simba and the death of Mufasa part two will cover the introduction of Timon and Pumbaa all the way up to the return of Simba to pride rock and part three will essentially cover just the ending and I'll go into um in last episode in episode two I said I wanted to start like a Q&A section segment kind of thing where, you know, everybody that's watching can either comment, you know, or reach out to me directly and just, you know, ask me questions or challenge some of the things that I'm saying or bring up some good points or add something to the episode. And I would start doing like a Q&A segment where I'll make those known and respond to those questions and comments. So I'll be doing that in part three of episode three. All right. I think, you know, thing's pretty simple, it's pretty straightforward and I'm excited to get into the good stuff. So part one, circle of life, the introduction of Simba. And the first point that I wanna make is each and every one of us is born with the divine right to be the king or queen of our own personal pride lands. And the pride lands is essentially everything that is in our control pretty much um you know we have we all have free will so we're all essentially meant to be the masters of our own universe you say, and that's represented with the introduction of simba you know here is your new king or queen for the ladies (laughs) unfortunately in the movie and in real life there are evil people that want to be the king and queen of our Pride Lands. You know, maybe they got beef with how their stuff is going, so they want to be the king and queen of our Pride Lands. Uh, and what they do is they plot against us in order to strip us of that birthright. time and to darken the story even more, it's those who are supposed to want well for us. Those who are supposed to be nurturing us and helping grow us. Because I'm a firm believer that it takes a village to raise a child. And I'm a product of that belief. So I understand that, you know, and again, unfortunately those who are in the village, it could be family, it could be friends, it could be a trusted party, it could be, you know, uh, the the church members or religious leaders or it could be any trusted party is liable to be an evil person that plots against us and wants to be the king or queen of our pride lands and to be honest it's life that's life there's nothing we could do about that you know we just gotta we just gotta accept that, but but move forward and, and take the necessary steps to prevent that from happening. So, you know, in their plotting and in their schemes, you know, these evil people, they not only plot and sometimes, you know, they not only carry out their plans, but they can convince us, you know, you know, we can be naive, we can be so naive at times, to that you know we just fall right into the person's lap and they convince us that you know we are at fault for them stripping us of our divine right and they make us they make us feel personally responsible for all the all the wrong that that transpires and leads up to us losing that divine right and we can really and again because we can be just so naive like we really accept it and we just, we just take it like that. And the clear and obvious example in the movie is Scar. Scar is the brother of Mufasa, the current king, and the uncle of Simba. And very early in the movie, as soon as Scar is introduced, we know that he's salty about not being able to be king they throw that in our faces very very early and scar definitely had an evil inside of him if you're a fan of the franchise they reference this in the second film they say you know scar just had an evil in him that he couldn't escape and i want to take some time to really talk about that evil within scar and really shine some light on the the just the evil actions that he did and and his way of thinking and all the and all the the turmoil that he put simba and mufasa through throughout the beginning scenes of the you know of the film before i go into detail about scar and the evil within him we do have to be mindful that we don't know anything about scar's upbringing we don't know anything about his backstory, backstory, anything that happened between him and Mufasa in the past, him and his parents, so it's very hard for us to comment on why he is the way he is. Um, what we do know is that he has some pretty glaring insecurities, he has a pretty toxic obsession with the throne, and he has a real deep-seated beef with Mufasa, so... Something, I'm sure something has happened. Um, There are videos and there are theories on YouTube and stuff like that. You can go watch it if you would like, if you're so inclined to. We're not going to talk about that here. But there's definitely something there. And that often is the narrative that gets overlooked in in our lives. Let me say, you know, something happens to us or someone does something to us or someone just shows themselves to be a very evil person. And we don't know why. But if you go do the research and go check it out, I'm sure you'll find out why. Now, don't get me wrong. You are not obligated to go do that. That is not your job. All right. You know, they don't already did you dirty. You're not obligated to go figure out why they did you dirty. That's at that point. You're just looking for closure. You're fiending for closure. And that is a whole different conversation. We, we going to talk about that in a completely different episode. So... The first point I want to make about the evil within him, to illustrate the evil within him, is since Simba was born, Scar had a plan to kill him. And Scar was not shy about putting his plans into motion. Very early in the film, he baits Simba into going to the elephant graveyard with Nala and has his hyenas, essentially his henchmen, has the hyenas there waiting for them to kill them. And he doesn't sugarcoat this. He's not shy about it. He doesn't try to run away from, you know, taking accountability for it. He says it clear cut. I practically gift wrapped those cubs for you. How weren't you able to finish off the job, bro? That's what he's telling. So we already know that he's taking full ownership of all the evil inside of him. As the stampede plan gets put into motion, he personally leads Simba down to the gorge and convinces him to stay there by himself, all under the pretense that Mufasa has some surprise for him there. Now, me watching the movie as an adult, I'm here like, Nigga, what kind of surprise could my pops have for me here in an empty gorge? It doesn't make sense, you know what I'm saying? The pieces aren't adding up, but you gotta remember Simba is young, he is naive, and he, you know, you just, you can't really fault him for that, you know what I'm saying? And that translates into real life as well. Like, uh, you know, there are times where we are young and naive and we just, not so much young in age, but young in understanding but young in experience, young in knowing how things work and how people work and knowing how to spot the motives of people, you know what I'm saying? So we can't really hold ourselves accountable, we can't hold that against ourselves up until a certain age. Me personally, I feel like that age is 23. Before you turn 23, I'm not gonna hold anything against you as far as the mindset behind the decisions you make and the mistakes that you make, you know what I'm saying? Because you're young, you need time to develop, you need time to grow, you need time to understand what life is like outside of the confines of your parents' crib, you know what I'm saying? So I'll give you till 23. Once you turn 23 though, however, you are liable to catch all the heat that I got coming for you. And it's not to say that you can't make mistakes, because you're going to make mistakes up until the day you die. But the dis- the the mindset behind the decisions that led to the mistakes, that's what I'm going to come for. And I'm not going to have no remorse for you. So you're just going to have to take that to the chest, bro. Um but yeah, you know what I'm saying me, I think that's the age that, you know, you know, we should really start to get put stuff together. So back to Scar, he convinces Simba to stay there alone and he does something very conniving, but something very smart from the perspective of someone who's trying to manipulate. He preys on an insecurity of Simba. And that's usually how the scars in our lives, they get us, you know, they prey on the insecurities he knows that Simba has an insecurity with his roar, so what does he do? He tells Simba, you might wanna work on that little roar of yours. <laughs> now, let me tell you this, Scar's very intelligent. He understands the acoustics of the environment. They're in an empty gorge, so sound will echo and will carry and that plays into the added sprinkle of convincing Simba that he's responsible for starting the stampede in the first place. You know what I'm saying? So Scar knows exactly what to manipulate, exactly how to manipulate Simba. And then in Mufasa, he knows exactly what to say to Mufasa to get Mufasa down to the gorge to begin with. Mufasa, Stampede, in the gorge, Simba's down there. As soon as he says Simba, it's like a switch and Mufasa jumps into action. There's no thought process behind it. He's going because it's his responsibility as a father to protect his son. So that's perfectly understandable. But Scar is very mindful of this. And so he uses it to his advantage. (laughs) Like when you take a step back and you really look at all the things transpiring... Everything that Scar planned worked out perfectly. It's really crazy how to the T that everything worked out exactly the way he hoped it would. And he gets his way. Quick spoiler, in the end he doesn't win. We'll get there sooner or later. So Scar knows exactly what he's doing. And that really attributes well what attributes to the evil inside scar is the peace he found within the evil now i feel like peace is one of the most powerful things that someone can achieve it's one of the most powerful forces whether natural or supernatural that someone can you know claim Once you have peace, you are inclined to kind of facilitate that peace or facilitate what you have found peace in. If you have found peace in positivity and growth and, you know, building and love, you're going to be inclined to spread those positive factors around you. However, if you found peace in the darkness, if you found peace in evil, in negativity, in bringing others down, you're going to be inclined to share that negativity with the people around you as well. It's like having a cup and a gallon of water. Once your cup is full, you have achieved peace. Now, think about a little styrofoam cup. You know what I'm saying? You fill up your cup, so now you found peace. What do you do? You share the gallon of water with those around you. So now everybody is indulging in the positive energy everybody's taking part in the 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 good vibes and the love and the happiness because that's what you're spreading but now if you have a bottle of soda you fill up your cup your your cup is full what are you gonna do same exact thing you're gonna share the soda with the people around you so not only and it's no secret that soda is not good for you so not only are you indulging in this negative energy that's not good for you, but now you're spreading it to those people around you. And, this, and it's a vicious cycle. But you get to choose what you find peace in. So be very mindful of what you find peace in. Now, Scar is very comfortable with this evil. He's very comfortable in his plans. He knows he has a plan to kill Simba. He knows he has a plan to kill Mufasa and he takes it even farther. He tortures them both in the process. He looks Mufasa in the eyes. Long live the king and throws him off the cliff. When Simba finds Mufasa's dead body, Scar appears and says "The king is dead and if it weren't for you he'd still be here bro now I, I do me a favor guys go watch that scene when scar appears when Simba's underneath Mufasa's dead body look at Simba's face when scar says that if the king if it wasn't for you you Mufasa would still be here you can feel bro dead ass? it broke my heart seeing Simba's face. It really broke my heart. Because you can literally see the guilt consume Simba as he's crying from the death of his father. And he just soaks in all that guilt. And that exact moment, yo, bro, I could I couldn't. It was like, yo, I can't. That shit hurt. I'm not gonna hold you. It hurt me to watch that. ass. And if that isn't enough to prove that you know scar was very comfortable and at peace with the evil within him but prior to the stampede you know there's an exchange between simba and scar he says simba says hey uncle scar am i gonna like this surprise and i found it very telling and i found it very profound that they had him say uncle scar and this is how simba referred to scar throughout the entire beginning of the movie up until he gets exiled hey uncle scar he always calls him uncle scar as if to say you have a formal relationship with me you are someone who is supposed to be nurturing me who's supposed to be helping me grow you are supposed to be a pillar in the village that raises me up to be the king i'm supposed to be like me personally, I know the significance of the of my uncles and like I've gotten a lot of guidance and a lot of wisdom from my uncles. So I know the significance of having an uncle, but I also kind of know the significance of being an uncle because I have baby cousins and young, much younger cousins than me that are growing up now and I don't see them as little cousins. I see them as nieces and nephews. And I know that at some point, in their development, I will play a role in helping them grow. I will play a role in helping them develop. I will play a role in helping them blaze their own trail and become the people that they are destined to be. So I understand the significance of being in that position as well. Hey, Uncle Scar, am I gonna like this surprise? And Scar simply says, oh, Simba. It's to die for. <laughs> so not only is are you planning to kill me, but you are blatantly throwing it in my face. And what's worse, it goes right over my head. And you know it goes over my head. And you're okay with that. You're completely fine with that. That was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. That's all I needed to see. And that's all I need to hear to be like, yeah, this guy ain't, you know what I'm saying, um, I'm trying not to curse. <laughs> so, but you get where I'm going. Like, he, he ain't nothing. You know what I'm saying? So what happens next, Scar leaves Simba. And there is a very powerful lesson in what takes place after Scar leaves. Remember Scar told Simba, hey, between you and I, you might wanna work on that little roar of yours. And what does Simba do is as soon as Scar leaves, he starts to work on his roar. And the lesson is that nine times out of 10, we have a role to play in Scar's plan. A little chameleon comes out and Simba starts to roar. You know what I'm saying? The first couple roars don't do nothing for the chameleon. He's going about his business. But then Simba's like, you know what? Let me say it with my chest. Ah! Gives out a good roar and the chameleon runs off. And you can hear the roar bouncing off the walls of the gorge. And instantly and naturally, I want to stress that naturally, he feels good about the roar. And to translate that into real life, this is one of those times where we have to be mindful of that, that time ratio. Because even though that's like a 15, 20 second scene, you know what I'm saying? That could represent two, one, two, three, four, five years where it's like, you know, the scars in our lives manipulate us into doing what they want us to do. But we feel good about it. We do it with purpose. We do it with passion. I'm holding it down. I'm being a great son. I'm being a great daughter. I'm being a great boyfriend or girlfriend. I'm being a great friend. I'm being a great sister or brother. All while we're playing right into their plan without even knowing it. And naturally we feel good about it because we feel like this is what we're supposed to be doing. So do your best. It's hard. But do your best not to hold that against you. Hold that against yourself. Do your best not to hold that against yourself. And that's why I stress that it was natural for him to feel so good about it. Because that's something he was insecure about. And he feels like he's making progress towards what he wanted to improve. All while, you know, playing into the hand of somebody else, you know, that he doesn't really know about. You are saying you can't hold that against yourself. You got to let that hurt go. And Simba immediately shifts. From feeling good about what he does to seeing the present danger, seeing the stampede coming his way and not even seeing, but seeing the the danger start to, you know, roll his way. He can feel the rocks to start to shake. He can feel the ground start to move. And he looks up and he sees the stampede coming his way. And that also relates to that time ratio where it's like, yo, it, it doesn't happen instantly as it did in the movie. Sometimes, you know, we start to see the flags a little bit slower. We start to see the rocks shaking. You know, it takes us a little while to see the rocks shake. And it takes a little bit of a little time for us to feel that the ground is moving underneath us. But sooner or later, sure enough, we turn around and we see the stampede coming right at us. And sheer terror falls into our hearts. There's nothing we could do about that, bro. Sheer terror. You can see it in in Simba's face. (laughs) The stampede ensues, and in one of the most heroic, but gut-wrenching scenes in cinema history, and in my my personal opinion, the second most powerful scene in the entire film, because not only is it musically stunning, like when you really listen to the music behind everything that's going on, like the the percussion, the woodwinds, the brass, the chorus, everything is just so overwhelming and beautiful. But it's visually heartbreaking to watch as we see Mufasa do everything in his power and take on a full stampede in order to save his son. It's, when you put it together, it's just, it's, it's magnificently painful <laughs> to put it into words, it's crazy. But we have to witness the death of Mufasa. And after everything is done, Scar appears and he really plays on the emotions of, of everything that just happened. And Simba asks him, what should I do? And Scar tells him to run away and never return. And then sends hyenas after him to kill him anyway. But Simba's able to escape and he runs off into the horizon. And that's where we end part one. So before I close out, I do want to take time to honor and pay homage to Mufasa as the father and the force that he was, and is. Um. He's my personal favorite character in the entire movie. And he really represents our birthright. That birthright, you know, of us being the masters of our universe and the king of our pride lands. He represents that because it is because of who he is that we have that birthright to begin with. It is the lineage of royalty where we are able to step up and take over as king when our time is has come. As the father, he, you know, just looking at the stampede scene, you know, taking on an entire stampede, everything that he did. And he had no regard for his own life. He really did everything in his power. And it was all about Simba. It, that's all he cared about. He didn't care when he, if he died, when he died, cause he already told Simba that at some point the sun will set on my time as king and you then the sun will rise with you as the new king. So he's already knowing that he's not gonna be there forever but he wants to do everything in his power to make sure that Simba is safe and Simba is taken care of and to see him take on the stampede and the, just to watch that scene, it's so amazing. It, it's just it, like, I, it really hit me deep. It really hit me deep. You know mainly because i didn't have that but because i want to be that like he really showed me how you know what kind of father that i want to be where he's not only the strong pillar that shows you know his son the way the lay of the land and how things are supposed to be and instills that birthright into us um, he's also the firm hand that corrects and, you know, makes known what what the rights and wrongs are after, you know, Simba goes to the, to the elephant graveyard. He has that talk with Simba being like, yo, you need to understand what you just did. And what's even worse is that you put other people in danger as well. It's like, that's not what being a king is about. That's not what being brave is really all about. You know what I'm saying? And the loving figure that he is, to console Simba after he sees that Simba can admit to his wrongs and just just showing that vulnerability and that unconditional support, you know what I'm saying? Like, whenever you look up at the scars, just know that the great kings of the past are always looking down on you and will always be there to guide you. And so will I. So really, he really embodies, you know, uh, like an amazing father figure to me And again, like he really showed me what kind of father I want to be is, you know, when I pray that God blesses me with young kings and queens, and I really want to be that loving figure and that pillar in their village to help them grow and help them learn and help them become the people they're destined to be. So I really have a deep, deep love and appreciation of Mufasa as the character. And I had to show, I had to pay homage, baby. I had to show him that love, cause he earned it, he res- he deserves it. And as an added bonus in the remake, um, James Earl Jones, that, that's his name right I'm pretty sure that's his name. He's coming back to reprise the role of Mufasa. And it's, it, it's perfect. You couldn't have no one else play Mufasa. That voice is just iconic. It's iconic. So I'm even more excited about that, but definitely wanted to take the time out to show him that love that he so very well deserves so very well deserves and where it's now come to the time to say goodbye (laughs) but i'ma be back guys um part two will be out soon don't worry i'm not gonna make you guys wait as long um i definitely already have all the notes and everything ready to go so you know i'm gonna start recording and you know, I'm gonna, you guys will see me real soon. You guys will see me real soon. So enjoy that. And I'm gonna see y'all later, guys. I'm